He didn't know what prompted the thought. The woman didn't speak to him, didn't ask for anything, but neither did she look away, as if the space between them was weighted with intangible desires. She was looking at him. He couldn't be sure she was seeing him. He transferred his gaze to her companion. She might have been in her twenties, though it was difficult to tell with the enveloping chador that left her face half-hidden. She smiled at him, her glance bold and inquisitive, her eyes and lips tilted up at the corners, a cast to her features that hinted at an impish nature. There was a beauty mark beside her left eyebrow, and underneath this, a tiny sickle-shaped scar. The call to the midday prayer sounded. He remembered his manners and glanced away, murmuring a greeting. The women murmured back, one reaching for the other's hand. They disappeared down a narrow arcade, their figures diminishing under a succession of arches, elegant in their simplicity. He wasn't thinking of the arches, or the light, or the splendid mihrab. He was left with the impression of dolorous eyes. Later, in the Chaykhane tea house across from the mosque, Isa drank tea from a gold-rimmed glass, a sugar cube between his teeth. He liked strong, milky chai, but he'd learned to adapt in the weeks he'd spent in Iran. He could hear the muted sound of the river rushing past, a gently throbbing loneliness. He felt the welling sweetness of the air against his face and wanted nothing more than to relax into its embrace. But he knew why he'd followed Nasi's advice and come to Varzaneh. He was seeking a distraction from the letter. You will soon have a story to tell. It read to him like a threat. He'd had a sense of being watched. The letter confirmed it. Someone was following him through the streets of Esfahan, someone who'd come close enough to read the title of the book he carried in his pocket. He'd felt the shadow of a watcher ever since he'd arrived in Esfahan three weeks ago. He'd assumed it was an official minder, sent to act as his detail by a member of the Iranian government, even though he'd applied for a tourist visa with his Pakistani passport instead of his Canadian one. He'd claimed an interest in making a pilgrimage to various sites of worship and paid for a tour visiting the cities of Mashhad, Qom, and Shiraz. Esfahan, the city of poets, philosophers, pilgrims, and kings, had been last on his list. He'd thought to reflect on his experiences in the city's peaceful gardens, but the arrival of the letter had changed that. Nasi had brought him a book on the Alborz Mountains, written in Farsi, the Persian language. Isa's name was printed in a small, neat hand on the cover leaf. Pleased and surprised, he'd thanked Nasi for the gift. No, no, Nasi said. I found it on the doorstep when I went to the market. I don't know who left it for you. Puzzled, Isa paged through the book in the privacy of the courtyard, stationed at his chair beneath the quince tree. When he'd opened the book, soft yellow rose petals had fallen out, along with the folded letter. Holding the letter to his face, 
he smelled the perfume of the roses. He wondered at first if the book with the rose petals was a gesture in some secret rite of courtship. But when he read the letter, he knew it for a threat, whether from agents of the regime or from a provocateur. The letter was intended to disrupt the peace he'd found in Esfahan's early spring. We are bound together, chained. He didn't want to be. He hoped the letter was a prank of some kind, meant to scare him, or perhaps to startle him out of his lethargy. Though lethargy was an unusual change of pace. The Drayton inquiry had come to a close after a protracted hearing, vindicating his choices about that desperate night on the bluffs. The public outcry against the government had been so strong.